You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Some of you have made requests. You have visions and dreams. You have ideas that are spiritual, that are biblical, and they're even noble. But these visions and dreams and things might not be what the Lord wants you to do. So what do you do? Others may come along and be like Nathan and say, go for it, go for it. Well, you know, when somebody comes to me and says they want to do something, the first thing out of my mouth is to go for it. But I tell them to pray. I tell them to seek the Lord. When you get an idea, which seems to be godly and biblical, that weighs heavy on your heart, what is your next step? Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to first seek the Lord in prayer. Ask Him if this is what you should be doing. Ask Him to guide and direct you as you trust and follow His will, and then follow Him as He leads. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17, as he begins his message, The Davidic Covenant. We are going to continue on our trek through 1 Chronicles. We are going to be in 1 Chronicles 17. We're only going to look at 14 verses in 1 Chronicles. Um, I've entitled this message, The Davidic Covenant. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you'll know that it seems like a long time ago, when we went through 2 Samuel, we covered this at length. You can find this in, in 2 Samuel, basically chapter 7 and 8. The writer of Chronicles is remember is giving a history lesson to the children of Israel. He's giving them a history lesson, let them know where they've come from and what has happened. And it's very, very important what we do. So that's why I broke it down to look at this Davidic covenant. So we're in chapter 17 of First Chronicles. Um, before we begin, let's bow our hearts once more in prayer. Gracious Father, in this day of turmoil, in this day of confusion, and in this time of uncertainty. We come to you because you are more certain in our lives than anything we could ever think about. As the scripture says, and as we've quoted so many times, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. You are who you say you are. The just one, the righteous one, the holy one, our creator, our father. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you've given us this time today to study your word We ask, Lord, that you would help us to lay aside the weight, the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us focus on your word today. Let us focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us, Lord, learn more of you as we go through this beautiful, beautiful covenant that you made with your servant David. Help us, Lord, to glean from these scriptures that which would pertain to our hearts, individually, collectively, as a church, Lord, show us great things in your word, Father God. Let us not miss a nugget of what you want to say to us tonight, Father God, even though we've covered it at length. But let us go back because I'm sure it'll look new again, Father God, because your word never returns void. Your word is always pure. It's always good. And we can always glean from it those things which we need in our lives. So thank you, Lord. We do love you, and we give you praise and glory, Father God. And we know that you're in charge of the entire situation and what's happening in America right now. 
You're in charge. And we give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as I had stated, the writer of the book of Chronicles, whom they kind of believe is Ezra, but we can't be dogmatic about that. He's continuing his history lesson for the children of Israel, the ones that have come back from the captivity. He's talking about all that God had accomplished through his servant, David. Well, for one thing, God had restored the nation to one nation. If you remember, as we studied through Saul, there was a split, and Saul was trying to kill David, and there was people against David, and there was people for Saul, and it was just a giant mess. But God restored all that. He made Israel one nation under God, if you will, once again. He established David as the rightful king of Israel. Remember, God had anointed David as king 20-some-odd years before, when he was just a young man. God had anointed him as king. But everything that ensued, I think, was training for David. Because I firmly believe, and I've said this before, that God calls a person into ministry, and then he trains that person up. And it may be a while before they actually see or are in that ministry, but he's training them all along. So this is what we see with David. And then God had given the nation rest. He had basically subdued all of the enemies at that time, and the nation was at rest. And this was an exciting time for David. And he was focused on the Lord because the Lord was doing mighty things for him, and the Lord was doing mighty things through him. I love this about David because he was forever focused on the Lord. And I think we can learn so much for that. Even before David wore the crown, even before David was anointed king of Israel, he served the Lord because he served the Lord's people. He used the same things that he was doing now, but he served the Lord's people. In other words, wearing a crown and sitting upon the throne of Israel did not change who David was. Because in his character and in his conduct, he lived his life all along the same way, always focused on the Lord. And I think this is a lesson that we can learn from this. I think we too can learn a lesson from David here. We spoke about this focusing on the needs of others as well as my own needs. Serving the Lord while serving others. And this is what David did. And when we do this, the possibilities are endless. God may have you serve in different capacities right here at the church. We're constantly telling you of all the things that are going on here and all the help that we need. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed it up, but we have people standing in the hallways and cleaning bathrooms after each time somebody uses it. We have people at the doors, people in the parking lot. We have people in the kitchen. We have people up here on the worship team. We have people over there by the soundboards and at the video thing. We have people in the Sunday school teaching kids. And we come in here on Saturday mornings and we clean the church. And there's so much happening. And we do this all the time. We do this constantly. So there's so much happening behind the scenes. And I guess what I'm saying is get involved. Find out what the Lord wants to do in you and then do it. See, this is what David did. See, this is what David did because because. God may use you in a different way. Let me give you a clue. Let me give you a hint of what can happen. Several years ago, this couple was coming to Calvary Chapel, and they were enjoying themselves, but the husband never came because he was out fishing. And we 
wanted to know where the husband was, but the wife continued to come. Well, then all of a sudden, the husband started coming, and we found out that he could play drums. And after a year and a half, we put a year and a half, we put him on the worship team to play the drums. And after the drumming for a while, all of a sudden, he comes to me with his wife. They came to me, and they sat down with me and said, the Lord has put something upon our heart. Now, I knew a little bit about his history, and he said, what do you think about starting an addiction ministry, a ministry where we can minister to those who are either coming in or going out or struggling or, or know someone or whatever, those who are caught up in it. We prayed about it. Boy, we said, okay, let's go. And how many years has it been now? Five years that the ministry is going strong. And we've helped through that ministry so many people. But this is what I'm saying. You, you see the need. You, you come to the proper authority, which unfortunately for you, I'm the authority here at the church. You know, and he said, this is what we want to do. And so you start serving. But see, it was something that they were doing all along. It wasn't something that they just decided to do, and then I gave them a title. It was something that they were doing all along. David served the people all along as a shepherd. And he had the shepherd's heart, and he served. It didn't take a crown. For example, all of a sudden, I don't say, you're going to be a deacon. Oh, I'm going to start serving now. No. You're doing the job as a deacon, and all of a sudden, I recognize it and go, hey, you're doing a good job. You don't do something once you get a title. You do the same things you've been doing all along, and that's what David did. And that's what I'm trying to say. And that's what David did. It was, it was something that the Lord laid upon their heart, and they came and we prayed about it. Other things have happened here at Calvary Chapel where it's been laid upon someone's heart, we pray about it, and then it, it, it is enacted. So that's what the Lord does. So as we serve him in these present ways, he leads us into other opportunities. I don't know what he has in store for you, but... David continued to serve the Lord just as he did before he became king. So when he became king, he had a title, and he was still serving the Lord. David was focused on the Lord, which led him to focus on the Lord's people and their needs. At the present time, David seemed to be in a place of limbo. Nothing was happening. There were no wars to fight. Like I said, there was peace. But in this time of limbo, Sometimes we get a testing of our patience. Sometimes God wants to see how long you can wait and what you're going to do while you're waiting. How many of you have ever heard John Waller, While I'm Waiting? Beautiful, wonderful song, While I'm Waiting. And he sings in the verses, I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. Yeah, the God, God may have called you into a ministry. God may have done something in your life and said, hey, listen, I'm calling you into this ministry. What are you going to do in the meantime? You serve him while you're waiting. You worship while you're waiting. You do the things that God has led you to do. You know, in James 1, 4, it says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So this is where David is. And I, I took the time to tell you that because it's important that you know. You don't need a title to do something to serve the Lord. You serve the Lord and then the title comes later. I told you about my story. The Lord called me and basically told me and gave me scriptures that I was going to be a pastor. He did that in 1993. 17 years later is when I came down here. The Lord takes his time to do the things and trains up those people and puts them in the places that he wants them. As I said, it's an exciting time for David. But what I love most is what he did with his downtime. When there are no wars to fight, when there are no enemies to defeat, 
When there are no major problems in the nation, David continued his relationship with the Lord. In other words, it didn't take a catastrophe for David to start to pray. I mean, we always tease each other around here when we say, shall we pray? Has it come to that? We should pray always. Paul says, pray without ceasing. We shouldn't wait for a horrible thing to happen before we have to pray. We should be men and women of prayer. And we're saying amen, which means so be it. We agree, and whatever two or more agree here, it'll be done up in heaven. That's a wonderful thing to know. So David was like that. David continued his relationship with the Lord, even without times of trouble. He didn't just come to the Lord when the things got rough. Instead, he was constantly in touch with the Lord. David always sought a way to improve his spiritual condition. You should be able to take a look at yourself. You should be able to take a look at your life and say, I'm more spiritually advanced now than I was before. We should always be moving forward. Our spiritual life should always be growing. Now, there are times when things will be a little bit different, but we should always be growing forward. We should never be going backwards, and being stagnant is difficult too. We should always be moving forward. This is what David did. He always looked at his spirituality and wanted the Lord. He knew that. And he also knew the value of a spiritual kingdom. He knew the value of teaching his people how to be spiritually connected with the Lord. He wasn't simply a ruler of the people. He was their shepherd. He was their pastor. He had a heart for their spiritual growth. And during his leisure time, he thought about the people and their need for God. And he made great use of his leisure time, not allowing anything to go to waste. And I love this about David. We can learn so much from him. So in 1 Chronicles 17, thought I'd never get there, did you? It takes place during one of these down times. There's, there, there are no wars. And it begins with a conference between David and his chaplain by the name of Nathan the prophet. Let's look at chapter 17, 1 and 2. Now it came to pass, when David was dwelling in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then David said, then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. David was overwhelmed by the blessings of God. But he noticed something was not quite right. He noticed that he lived in this beautiful house. Now, we studied at length in 2 Samuel how David built this palace of his and what a grand place it was. And David built this great big palace. And he looked around and said, look at this place I'm living in. They looked outside and said, but God's living in a tent. Hmm. David thought to himself, what's wrong with this picture? What's going on here? David had built himself a fine palace, and he probably felt guilty that a mere tent represented God's dwelling place. So he wanted to change that by building the Lord a permanent place. This is a good thing. What David wanted in his heart was good. And this shouldn't be surprises because David is a man after God's own heart. And he longed to honor the Lord in whatever way he possibly could. And if you were to read Psalm 132 in verses 1 to 5, we get an idea of how David felt about this. I'll read it for you. Psalm 132, verse 1. Lord, remember David in all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to comfort of my bed 
I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Wow. That's what David's heart was. He desired that the Lord would have a permanent place to call his own. He wanted God to have that. He was absolutely dedicated to the building of God's temple, his dwelling place. He was dedicated. to. So it was so complete that he vowed. He said, hey, I'm not even going to sleep until I have this done. I got to get this job finished. So this was David's heart. It had been on David's heart now for quite some time. Remember, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He captured it back and got it back and brought it back. Now he wanted to finish the job and have a place for the Ark. And once again, we see this desire. So he shares his burden with his main guy. He shares his burden with Nathan, the prophet. And he says, I want to do this. David advised Nathan and said, hey, I have a desire to build the Lord a temple, a place. And David said, do this all in your heart. Go ahead and do this. But he really wasn't affirming David's desire to do God's will. He was not really doing that. Instead, he was asking the king to pursue his desires, to put them before the Lord and see what the Lord actually wanted to do. Now, many of us, some of you have come to me, some of you have made requests. You have visions and dreams. You have ideas that are spiritual, that are biblical, and they're even noble. But these visions and dreams and things might not be what the Lord wants you to do. So what do you do? Others may come along and be like Nathan and say, go for it. Go for it. Well, you know, when somebody comes to me and says they want to do something, the first thing out of my mouth is to go for it. But I tell them to pray. I tell them to seek the Lord. Pray about it. Pray about it. Because God will open doors that no man can shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. And if it's God, it will work. It will go. Things will happen. And I say, come on, let's go. And I'll pray with you. We should come before the Lord with these dreams. We should come before the Lord with these visions. We should place them at his feet and say, Lord, is these are you? Or are they the pepperoni that I just ate? Are these of you? And, and if they are, how am I going to accomplish these things? Because I can't. You have to do this. You have to accomplish this. I can't accomplish this. You have to do this. Are they part of your plan? Remember, we always have to follow hard after the Lord. We should not make him follow hard after us. In other words, we should make these real concrete plans and then go, okay, Lord, bless this. It don't work that way. They don't usually work that way. He might. He might indeed bless that. But we need to seek him through the Holy Spirit. We need to allow him to be our guide. Remember, remember what we say here at Calvary Chapel. You know, it really means something. Where God guides, God provides. And we've seen that here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We've seen it all the time. God guides us into one venture, and he provides for that venture to do it. But we wait on him. And sometimes people say, why are you dragging your feet? Well, I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for him to lead. I don't want to just jump into something and go, okay, Lord, bless this. I've done that before. Usually doesn't end up pretty. Usually doesn't end up real pretty. So they had this conversation and both men go to bed. But during the night, Nathan has a visitor. Let's read verses three and four in chapter 17. But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. Whoa. Nathan receives this message for the king of, from the Lord. The Lord 
came to Nathan that very night and said, you got to go tell David, my servant, thus says the Lord, you're not building me a house. The answer from God was quite clear. No. David, you're not going to build me a house. And notice, there isn't any explanation. We find out later an explanation, but there's no explanation, just a simple, loving, firm no. You might be dealing with shattered dreams yourselves. You might be dealing with shattered plans. You might be dealing with shattered desires or shattered disappointment. You might feel that God has let you down. You might feel that God is angry at you. You might feel all these things. Sometimes God says no. It's not God's plan for you to do those things. But our hearts might be set on something that is not of God. And if we push and push and push, God may let you do that to watch you suffer and fail so that you'll come back to him and go, what happened? What's wrong? To allow him to show you. It may be part of your training. But God had a better plan for David. God had a much better plan for David. And when God says no to you, you can guarantee that he has something better. He has something better down the pike for you. So you need to listen. He might say no to one thing, but there's always something else waiting in the wings. And I guarantee if you wait for it, it's going to be so much better. So much better. So the message now comes to David, and it comes in three parts. It comes in three parts. And in verses 5 and 6, we see the first part of the message where God basically reminds David of all that he ever did for him and telling him that at no time did he ever ask anyone to build him a house. He never asked anybody to build him a house. Hang on, let's go to 5 and 6. For I have, he says, For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent, and from one tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word or say to the judges of Israel whom I command to shepherd my people, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God is saying, now I asked Moses to build a house for me, a tabernacle, a place. Yes, I did. And I am perfectly satisfied to live in this, this house right now, this tent. And travel with the people wherever they go. So the Lord says, I never asked you to build me a house. One commentator said, quote, David wanted to do more than God had commanded. This is a wonderful place to be in our relationship with God. But sadly, most of us are stuck in thinking, how little can I do to please the Lord? That we never really want to do more than God commands. But God said no to David. God said no to David. Now, the temple would be built, and we're going to get to that in a minute. The temple would be built. This beautiful, magnificent temple would be built. So the first part of the message was God saying, I've never asked anybody to build me a house. Why do you want me to build, why do you want to build a house? I didn't ask you. The second part of his message is, one thing that I love about God is he reminds David of all the things that he did for him. You are sure. Thank you for joining us here today on Assure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. This book follows the kingship of David from the time he was anointed king by the people until his death. Partway through, we watch David become troubled because he had a grand house, but the ark of the Lord remained in a tent. He wanted to build the temple for the Lord, 
but because he was a man of war, God chose Solomon to build it instead. Still, we see that David's heart was for God every step of the way. When Solomon was going to build the temple, David gave him an offering of gold, silver, and bronze for it. Is there a mission field you'd like to have joined? Don't let the limitations of this life keep you from offering your best. If you can't go yourself, you can still give to the people who God sends. We're so glad we get to spend this time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. And if you're an early riser, come seek the Lord's face together with us in prayer before the services at 7.30. You can find everything you need to know on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And don't worry, if you can't make it in person, on the website you'll find links to our live stream. Don't forget to come back next time as we study the word together on Assure Hope.